Hey now, hey now, hey now, ladies and gentlemen, brand new edition of Over the Line, welcome one, welcome all, so glad you all could be here today, brand new episode, brand new week, I know you're just as excited as I am, because uh, this is going to be a wild 48, I guess less than 48 hours. Yes, today is December the 14th, 2020. Tomorrow, December 15th, you will have the Electoral College gathering to um, to figure out this presidential deal. So, um, one thing, well, i tell you what, let me not get into that yet. Let me start with this. Because, okay, first of all, let me explain this. You see this right here? This is my vape. I'm wearing it around my neck. I used to make fun of people that wore their vape around their neck because I thought it was uh, it was cringy. But I've been doing this over the weekend because it has been convenient and because, as you see here, it matches my shirt. Now, will I do this long term? I don't know. Uh, but I decided to do it. And uh, I'll tell you... All these cool vape products I got, let me tell you where I get them at. I get them at Vapor Forge. And the reason I bring up Vapor Forge is because these guys support the show in uh, a tremendous way. These guys are, are number one. They are in support of everything we do. Really, for those of you that follow in our footsteps, they support what you do. So what I want you to do is if you are in the Birmingham area, I want you to go over to Vapor Forge and here for those of you on YouTube. I'll let you kind of see what they got going on. Vapor Forge on 280, if you're in the Birmingham area and you know where Bailey Brothers is, uh, they're right beside Bailey Brothers. And I'm the type of guy where I used to go to about five different vape shops because I know a lot of people. I know some people that own shops, uh, you know, other people I grew up with, whatever. But this is the only one I go to now. One, because they support the show, obviously. But two, look at this selection. Just just look at it. Look at all that stuff they got. I, I Honestly, I don't know anybody else in town that's got that kind of selection. They've got more than what you need. So make sure you go by there. And when you do, tell them that you heard it on Over the Line. You heard it from Andrew McLean. Again, Bailey Brothers. For those of you listening to the audio podcast, here's the address. You ready? You ready to write it down? 4673 Highway 280 East in Birmingham. And if you need their number to find your way over there, 205-874-9010. So make sure you check those guys out. They are number one. And uh, I love I love going by there. I get all of my stuff there. They're the ones that have inspired me to wear my vape around my neck. Even though... Uh, I'm still kind of unsure about it. Nonetheless, here we go. Are y'all ready? I know some of y'all are beat down. I know some of y'all are tired. You're exhausted. You're Some of you have even straight up given up. And I tell you this, my dear friend. Do not give up. Do not let people tell you that, that December 14th, tomorrow, Tuesday, is the last day for Donald Trump and the Trump administration, for the Trump legal team to do anything to right the ship, to fix this. 
not to win the White House, not to stay in another four years, but to protect our election, protect our Constitution, and ultimately protect our country and the rest of the world. Because this goes much further than your preferred political candidate. It goes much further than Trump. It goes much further than the Republican Party. There are a lot of countries on this planet, almost really most of them, that rely on the United States staying the greatest country and the most powerful country in the world. And if we can't keep our most basic procedures of free and fair elections in order, we will cease to be that beacon of light on the hill, that shining light on the hill. We will no longer be that. As we see right now, China is trying to take that place. And they will. If we don't do what's right, they certainly will take our place as the superpower of the world. But I'll get into all that in a minute. I want to go to something that happened on Saturday. Which was uh, the much publicized, as it is every year, Army-Navy game. Well, and I say publicized, I don't think it was that publicized this year. And there's a specific reason for that. Even for the channels that broadcast it like NBC, they didn't want to promote it too much because they knew what the optics were going to look like at the Army-Navy game. The president, always in attendance. And they have this narrative we, average Americans, are supposed to believe that a majority of Americans, overwhelming number of Americans voted for Joe Biden, including an overwhelming number of military members. That the, even the military is sick of Donald Trump and they're ready for new leadership. They want a new commander-in-chief. That's what they want us to believe. So they don't really want us to see Donald Trump showing up to the Army-Navy game because they really, deep down, they know they know what's going to happen when he hits that field. And I want to show you real quick what did, in fact, happen when Donald Trump walked on the field at the Army-Navy game. For those of you watching on YouTube, check this out. Listen to that crowd. USA. USA. The entire crowd chanting USA as the president walks on the field. All military members in the stands, members of our nation's army, members of our nation's navy, commanders, generals, all the people involved there for that game. And the crowd 
goes nuts. And I've seen countless videos because after the president walked on the field, did the coin toss, introduced himself to a few people, he sat in the stands with our servicemen and women. He didn't go get in a box seat. Well, he may have at some point, but this is not the part I saw. He sat in the stands with the members of our military and hung out with them and watched the game, watched the Army-Navy game. That's the kind of president this guy is. The crowd filled with members of our military going absolutely nuts. And we are told, we're told that a good chunk of these people voted for Joe Biden. If Joe Biden walked onto that field on Saturday, what do you think it would have sounded like? You probably could have heard a pin drop if Joe Biden was the one doing the coin toss. Here's some more images of Donald Trump in the locker room with each team after the game, talking to some players and, and receiving actually a jersey from each team. Actually, and I said that was after the game. That was actually before the game when he was in the locker room receiving jerseys from them and kind of wishing them good luck before the game. These people love this president. Absolutely love it. But, you know, some of them voted for Joe Biden. No, that's not the case. And it's not to say everybody in the military is the same, but everybody in the military has the same needs and desires for the most part, at least for the time being. If you are active military, the guy to your left and the guy to your right, generally, you'll have the same needs. Presidents are temporary. Presidents are four years, eight years. In this case, just four more years. Most of them are going to view the president in the same way. And that view is going to be dictated by how the president treats the military. Not in how he shakes their hand or comes to the Army-Navy game, but how he provides for the military. What he does for our national defense. What he does for our armed forces in providing them the equipment they need. In bringing the troops home. These are all things that dictate how active duty people view the president. And this president has done nothing but good things for our military. And this is me, obviously, speaking as someone who is not part of the military, not a veteran. But from the outside looking in, 
This is what I see. From the very small amount of people that I've talked to, this is the feel I get. That they like this guy. That they love this guy. That he's done nothing but good things for them, especially for those that spent from 2008 to 2016 a long eight years in the military. Being put out on the battlefield with their hands tied behind their back. Everyone knows someone that's in or has been in the military. I encourage you to go talk to them and ask them, what was it like from 08 to 16 and what's it like now? Assuming that, you know, they've they've experienced both eras, both presidents. Ask them. If they haven't been active duty during both of those times, they at least know what it's like. So I encourage you to ask them. Just see what they say. See see if they say, oh, it was the same, or see if they say there was a difference. You'll be surprised at what you hear. You'll be surprised at how much the, the, the two are polar opposites. So that's just the side note. I wanted to throw that out there, especially with the Army-Navy game being over the weekend. Now let's move to where we're at on the election. There is one date and one date only that matters at this point in time. And that is January 20th, 2021. January 20th, 2021. If you spend the next 24 to 36 hours watching the media, you're going to get worked up into a frenzy, and you're going to get freaked out, and you're going to convince yourself it's over. That's not to say you're a bad person or you're gullible or anything like that, but the media is very good at convincing people of things that are not true. That's why they've got half the country believing stuff that doesn't even exist. They are very good at convincing people of this stuff. So if you can avoid it, don't watch it. Watch this podcast or watch some of the other amazing podcasters on on YouTube or any other platform. Watch uh, Tim Pool. I, I don't always agree with uh, uh, Tim Pool, but... I think he's good at what he does. I think he makes a lot of good points. Same thing with anybody else you watch. I know y'all have got a plethora of people y'all watch. Watch those guys. Don't watch the media. Because they're going to lie to you over these next 36 hours. I did notice Stephen Miller on Fox and Friends this morning. Because I'm obviously watching the media and I'm telling you not to. That's, That's what I do. And uh, he's talking to the Fox and Friends crew, and he's talking about what is to come in the next 36 hours. Now, Fox and Friends, just like the rest of Fox News, has been doom and gloom. Ah, it's over. There's nothing you can do. This is Fox News. you got to understand. This is, this is where Fox News has gone. And in their minds, they thought, we can go this route. We will piss our audience off for a period of time, but they will come back. They always do. They've been through this a few times. We'll piss them off, but they'll come back. And then we can really benefit from a four-year Biden stint. And we can be loyal opposition. Loyal oppositionists. So we will be able to benefit because we're going to be on the attack instead of what we've done the past four years and been on the defensive. 
They want to be able to attack it. And honestly, it makes sense because there's plenty of stuff to attack Joe Biden about. China, Hunter, uh, shady dealings, Joe Biden's past, anything you can think of. It's all out there. So Fox News is thinking in the mode of easy street if Joe Biden is president. What they underestimated was their audience saying, no, we're not coming back. We're not coming back. We watched y'all the last four years because you stuck up for our president. We watched y'all because y'all were the only ones that stuck up for our president. And now you're no longer doing it. So we're out. We're going to watch Stinchfield and, and Greg Kelly and Newsmax. We're done with you. And they're scratching their heads like, what happened? Where'd everybody go? Why are we losing millions of viewers? But instead of them reversing course, they've really just doubled down. They're trying to play the middle of the field, but in reality, they've just doubled down. Now, there's a few people on there, and I think I've explained this before, that you can tell really want to go after the fraud in this election and keep the optimism out there that this can still flip around. Sean Hannity, I think Tucker to an extent. I'm not even sure about Laura Ingram anymore, but I think Pete Hegseth, I think Greg Gutfeld, Jesse Waters, Judge Janine. You got Maria Bartiromo, who has not let up a bit. Props to her. Lou Dobbs is another one. But the rest of the cast thinks it's a better idea if Joe Biden's president. And the audience isn't going to put up with that. The audience is not going to put up with that. But nonetheless, that's neither here nor there. Stephen Miller, this morning on Fox and Friends, and he was laying out where they currently are. And he is portraying the message, relaying the message, if you will, for everybody to stay calm. It ain't over till it's over. And we've got several paths to victory. Unlike what the media will continue to tell you. Here's how that exchange went right here. What would stop that? Great to be on this morning. Thank you for having me. The only date in the Constitution is January 20th. So we have more than enough time to right the wrong of this fraudulent election result and certify Donald Trump as the winner of the election. As we speak today, an alternate slate of electors in the contested states is going to vote and we're going to send those results up to Congress. This will ensure that all of our legal remedies remain open. That means that if we win these cases in the courts, that we can direct that the alternate slate of electors be certified. The state legislatures in Georgia, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania can do the same. And likewise, Congress has that opportunity as well to do the right thing. If you just cured three simple constitutional defects, Donald Trump's the winner of this election. Whether it's the signature matching in Georgia that was illegally changed as a result of the consent decree without the legislature's approval, or whether it's the hundreds of thousands of improperly cast ballots in Wisconsin, absentee voters, who never 
actually submitted the request for an absentee ballot, or whether you're talking in Pennsylvania, the clear equal protection violation when Democrat ballots were cured in advance of Election Day and Republican ballots weren't. These are just three of hundreds of violations that we've documented, and those three violations alone make Donald Trump the winner of the 2020 election. Right, and we know that. So there is, um, there's Stephen Miller explaining where they're currently at. Now, we'll get into um, the, the the paths to victory maybe sometime this week. I'm not going to, I'm going to have to spend a whole show on doing that. But his points are, there's really only three or four things that we've got to clean up and it proves Donald Trump is the winner. Now, on Friday, when we got word that the Supreme Court had refused to hear the Texas lawsuit against the four battleground states, that was a big blow. There's no doubt about it. There's no way around it. And a lot of people threw their hands up. I watched it in real time. Threw their hands up. This is it. It's over. That was our final chance. No, it's not. It was a damaging blow, yes. It was really a stab in the back from a Supreme Court that really just swept it aside when they had no reason to sweep it aside. They had every reason to take this up. They had original jurisdiction in the Constitution. It says when there are multiple states that have beef, that have an issue that needs to be resolved, the only place it can be resolved is at the Supreme Court. You can't do it on a state level. If Texas is suing Pennsylvania, what are you going to take it to the Pennsylvania court? Do you think the Pennsylvania court's going to give you a fair shake? And vice versa. If you have to take it to the Texas court on Pennsylvania side, do you think Texas is going to give you a fair shake? No. None of these lower courts, almost none of them are going to give you a fair shake. And that's why it was so infuriating to hear the left be like, oh, the Trump administration is 0-51 on lawsuits. Totally false. The Trump team only filed three lawsuits, so we don't know where the 51 came from. But even with the three, we knew they would get thrown out. It was just procedure. It was just going through the motions. It's what they had to do to move it up the chain. We knew that. The left doesn't. The left the left just takes what's in the moment, attaches their feelings to it, and then parades around like they, they actually know what's going on. They, they don't have a clue. They don't have a clue as to what's going on. And I don't care how many people say it on Twitter, how many people say it on Facebook, they don't know. And they look ignorant. Most of them are still saying there's no voter fraud. And some of y'all, I've watched you on social media, have actually taken the time to try to show them, and they still refuse to look at it. I mean, all you can do is send them a link, and they won't click the link, because they don't want to see it. Because if they see it, guess what? It means what they've been saying for weeks is wrong. And they don't want to be wrong. Nobody really wants to be wrong, but these guys really don't want to be wrong. They don't know how to admit when they're wrong. They let the media pump their head full of lies, it's this mentality that the media that we had watched all our lives, the traditional mainstream media, the CNNs, the the NBCs, the ABCs, we all used to trust these people. 
And as time went on, half of the country realized, wait, they're not being honest. They continue to get things wrong. The other half of the country never got the memo. And they still trust these outlets. And that is the source. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what anybody on the left says. That is their source of where they get their information and where they get the mindset that there's no evidence that Joe Biden actually won 80 million votes, that there's no voter fraud. It's where they get it. Not just the TV stations, but the Washington Post, the, the New York Times, all these places. They read those outlets. They consume that medium. Oh, the prestigious New York Times, the prestigious Washington Post. Not realizing not only are they being bamboozled and we know it. I mean, we've got video, audio. We've got, we got every bit of evidence to prove that those outlets are lying to their viewers. That those outlets are lying to their readers. We actually, thanks to people like James O'Keefe, we know they're lying. But yeah, people still listen to it. That's why I try to take time to explain on this channel, as long as it lasts, it may not last very long because YouTube's got their new terms of service, and it's only a matter of time before I say something about voter fraud where YouTube takes the videos down. Did y'all hear about that? I don't know if I explained that yet. YouTube now says that you cannot say that this election was fraudulent, that there was widespread voter fraud or anything of the like. You can't say any of that. And because I just said it, this video will probably get taken down. But you can't say it without, and they put this in there, without documentation or evidence that what you are saying is true. So we may have to start playing videos of people pulling out briefcases and suitcases from under tables every time we bring it up. I don't know. We're just going to see what happens. Because I hadn't done the show in... in like five or six days so and you know I, I we haven't tested the waters yet but nonetheless here we are so the media that has gotten everything wrong from russian collusion to donald trump starting world war three to everything else have still been boozled half the american population into thinking that they're telling them the truth and i say half i don't really think it's half i think it's more like 30 percent the other you know, 20% or however many people think Joe Biden got uh, 80 million votes just don't know politics. They just don't really pay attention. They just heard it and they take people's word on it. But we look at the details of what got us here and it all really starts to make sense. This is those people we're talking about. This is the stuff they'll never acknowledge. But if you want to present this to people, you're more than welcome to, obviously. In order to get a particular type of America that the left wants, they had to normalize this institutional voting fraud. They had to institutionalize these rigged elections okay it's what's happened in multiple countries we've seen it time and time again and we know history repeats itself now this really started and i was thinking about this because i heard it somewhere 
And I started asking myself the question, where did this start? When did we start going down this road of super wacko leftism or extremists running the Democrat Party? Because I think back of times like we thought a lot of uh, uh, Bush v. Gore. We thought a lot about the, the Bill Clinton years and even the Reagan years with Bush Sr., uh, even Bush Jr. W. You know, back then, we weren't scared if Al Gore were to pull out the win in 2000. Back then, we weren't afraid that Al Gore was going to win and he was going to be this anti-American leftist that was hell-bent on destroying this country. He had policies that we knew were going to be detrimental. But we weren't looking at him through a lens of, this guy is out to destroy America because he hates America. We didn't think that in the 90s. We didn't think that with the 80s, with any candidates. We, we just, that wasn't, that didn't exist. Didn't even exist in Bush versus John Kerry. We didn't think of it that way. We just thought, guy that's bad for America policy-wise, guy that's good for America policy-wise. But then we get to 2008. And I think, I truly believe this is where it all started. That it all started with Obama, who ran against an extremely weak candidate in John McCain. And a, 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 strong, a stronger candidate, I believe, would have beaten Barack Obama. And it has nothing to do with race. It has everything to do with an anti-American attitude that is cloaked in this facade of patriotism. And for anybody that kept up in depth with those elections in 2008 and 2012, you saw that. It wasn't just scare tactics from those of us on the conservative side that were pointing this stuff out. It was, it was real. It was Obama writing, writing a book that was shining a negative light on America. It was Obama attending a church with a pastor named Jeremiah Wright that was saying GD America and that the chickens... We're coming home to roost. That America had its day coming. America was going to get what it deserved, if you will. It was that attitude that really bothered a lot of us. And I think because of that, that's where this started. I think America voting for Obama with his anti-American attitude gave the green light for those on the extreme left to come out from the sewers and say, hey, we can finally be accepted. Hey, we finally got a stage. We've got a spotlight. It's much like how the white supremacists or the neo-Nazis or whatever, these very small groups of people, you see more and more of them these days because the left has given them a stage and a spotlight. There's still not that many of them, and there's really not more of them than there used to be. The left's just willing to give them camera time. And so you see it more. It's similar to that, but the leftists, when Obama was elected, 
the extreme leftists, the anti-American leftists, they said, wow, we can finally be accepted in this country. Finally, our time is here. And that's where this all started. You had eight years of that. Eight years of policies and attitudes that were anti-American. Some of them just slightly anti-American, very under-the-radar stuff, subtle, subtle things. But they were there, and a lot of us could see it. And it's all come to a head. People saw that in 2016. They watched it for eight years. And they saw it, and in 2016, when a guy showed up, when a guy rode down the escalator in Trump Tower and said all these outlandish things that were really pro-America, that were America first, secure the borders, let's take care of ourselves because we love this country, we're the best country on the world. It had been eight years since we heard somebody talk like that. Eight long years before since since we we were hearing somebody saying America was the best country in the world we were told we needed to lead from behind we were told we've done all these awful things to the rest of the world so we owe them we're in debt to the rest of the world eight long years we've been told that trump shows up and he said we don't we don't owe anybody anything we're the best country in the world. We do more for the rest of the world than the rest of the world could ever do for us. We don't know nobody, nothing. And people are like, wow. I forgot what that was like. And ultimately, it got Donald Trump elected. That got Donald Trump elected. Not outlandish things like some people coming over the border are rapists or murderers. Not any of the outlandish things he said. Not that they're untrue. Those are not what got him elected. It was simply the attitude of we're getting back to America first. We're going to take care of ourselves because if we don't take care of ourselves, we can't take care of anybody else. It was as simple as that. That's where it started. But the anti-American left that thought their day had come only to have it stripped away from them eight years later said, no, no, no. We've waited far too long to get this. We've waited far too long to be center stage. And some billionaire from New York is not going to take it away from us. So they threw everything at this guy. Everything. Russian collusion. Impeachment. Spying. Utilizing. Weaponizing our intelligence agencies. Weaponizing the FBI and spying on his campaign. They did that because Donald Trump threatened to take away the anti-American left's ability to run this country. They finally made it, and this guy took it away from them. And so they threw everything at the guy. Everything. We watched Donald Trump go through hell for four years. We watched Donald Trump's family go through hell 
for four years. And guess what? He came out on top every single time. He was stabbed in the back by his own people. And and this American, anti-American left, it's not just the left. Because the left and the right had been in bed together all along. So people within the administration were stabbing Trump in the back, left and right, leaking information out of the White House on a regular basis. Publishing false stories, leaking false information on a regular basis, doing everything they could to damage this guy who was threatening the movement. And 2020 was the final showdown. They realized for four years they could not take this guy down. And they used everything at their disposal. And in reality, when you look back on it, it's shocking, absolutely shocking, that Trump made it through those four years with everything that he was hit with. 2020 was the final showdown. And whether or not coronavirus was part of this plan, I'll talk about it another time and I'll leave that for you to decide for yourself. But the final showdown entailed compromising our elections. And not just doing it for this election, but doing it for good. So those that are the anti-American left never have to lose again. Once they can, uh, once they can, can uh, uh, collect complete power, then they can change the rules in a way that makes sure they never lose power. They can do anything they want. So that's why, if you look at, say, Pennsylvania, for example, you had a rogue Supreme Court in Pennsylvania that eliminated signature requirements. Months. This is months before the election. Eliminating signature requirements. Eliminating postal date requirements where votes had to be cast by election day. A crazy idea. This rogue Supreme Court said, meh, I ain't going to worry about that. Extending voting periods. All this stuff. All the safeguards. This Pennsylvania Supreme Court just threw it out. When in reality, they can't do that. Legally, constitutionally, they can't do that. The legislative body has to do that. And it's very complicated. It's not just a matter of the legislature votes and decides, hey, these are the new rules. In Pennsylvania, they have to vote. They have to have a certain majority. They have to literally publish these changes in papers and on the news for like two months. And then they have to allow the people of Pennsylvania to vote on it. But they didn't do that. What they did is they had leftist lawyers file friendly lawsuits to their friends on the Supreme Court and say, hey, in these lawsuits, we want to change these voting rules. But the judges were already in on it. So the judges knew the lawsuits were coming from their buddies that were filing them. 
and they hit it with the rubber stamp and said, all right, there you go. Rules are changed. That's why it's absolutely sickening that the Supreme Court of the United States decided to dodge this case. It flies in the face of every American. It flies in the face of every American that stuck up for Amy Coney Barrett, in the face of everyone that stuck up for Neil Gorsuch, and especially, especially, everyone that fought so hard for Brett Kavanaugh as his family was being destroyed on Capitol Hill. Those three didn't even have the cojones to join Alito and Thomas in a dissent and say, I think we should at least hear this. The Democrat Party went to all of these areas to demolish the rules that kept the election honest. It was their plan all along. They want to change America by having absolute power, by having a Democrat majority. Chuck Schumer said it himself. He said, first we take Georgia, then we change America. By the way, early voting in Georgia for the two Georgia Senate races starts today. Starts today. Stacey Abrams is out bragging really about how they've rigged this election already and that it's a done deal. 1.2 million absentee ballots have been requested in Georgia for the Senate race. A special Senate runoff, okay? Think about the Senate runoff. Think about uh, Jeff Sessions and Tommy Tupper. There wasn't a whole lot of people in Alabama that went out and voted for that because it's one race. You get there, you show up, there's one thing on the ballot to vote for. You have to take all that time out of your day to go fill in one bubble. 1.2 million absentee ballots have been requested for, in this case, two races. 85,000 of those, according to Stacey Abrams, who has beaten her chest and bragging about this, 85,000 of those absentee ballot requests are new voters. Think about that. What do I mean by new voters? I mean new voters. Voters that did not even vote on November 3rd. New, new voters. 85,000 people that didn't have enough ambition, didn't have enough interest to vote in the presidential election, all of a sudden have an interest in the runoff in the, in, in the Senate race in Georgia, the two Senate races. Stacey Abrams is all but telling you that the fix is in. She feels emboldened. Allowing this election fraud to stand and allowing Joe Biden to become president is to give the left the green light and tell them that if they want to fix our elections, 
if they want to rig it now and in the future, they have every right to do so. Because what you did on November 3rd, 2020, and the days after, when you stopped counting, when you claimed there was a water main break, when there never was, when you pulled briefcases and suitcases out from under tables, we're going to allow that to happen as America. We're going to allow you to do those things. That's what Joe Biden becoming president tells the left. And they will not stop. This is not your grandpa's Democrat party doing these things. This is the new anti-American, anti-capitalism Democrat party that was ushered in in 2008 when Barack Obama took the White House. These are the people that hate America hate the Constitution that was written by a bunch of white slave owners and hate the country itself that is filled with cocky, boastful, McDonald's-eating capitalists that stole land from the Indians. And they deserve to be punished. They deserve to be dragged into the town square while the rest of the world throws stones at them. That's who these people are. And they will not stop until they get their way. That's why it's important that you continue to fight. You do not give up. This president will not concede. I don't care what happens. Donald J. Trump is not going to to concede and neither should you that's it for me make sure you hit us up on our social media over the line on facebook at andrew mcclain who on parlor on twitter and subscribe to this youtube channel there should be a button right about here hit the subscribe button make sure you tell your friends and your family about us we love you a long time and we'll see you next time see you cool